The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Psychobatical podcast. I'm your host, Andy Kirkpatrick. Uh, well, another week has gone by, and there's a there's a storm warning uh, over here, so uh, we're on standby for the roof getting ripped off by some Atlantic gales. So if you hear any noise while I'm recording this, that's just the the roof coming off. So, um, uh, what am I talking about this week? Uh, don't really know. Um, uh, I've just finished a, a very in-depth look at race vests on my Substack, uh, which is a, it's kind of like a prehistory of the race vest, which sounds it sounds very exciting. Um, uh, which is uh, looking at like sort of uh, webbing from the Second World War, First World War, uh, poaching, poachers, kind of clothing, uh, all, all the history of the pocket. Lots of lots of interesting stuff in there. So so check that out. Um, I, w- I, w- I had this idea about doing a pod podcast with my dad, but I spoke to him yesterday, and he was he was telling me about um, a friend of his who's got this job in Yorkshire on a uh, on an old firing range where they've been dropping bombs for like you know like a hundred years, and apparently this this range has like thousands of unexploded bombs on it, and it's next to the sea, and as the sea is eroding. Uh, the bombs are falling out of the cliff onto the beach. So his job is to go along and collect them and blow them up. Uh, he is actually qualified as a bomb disposal person. Just to point that out. It's not just like a normal job. Um, so I was telling my dad, like, uh, I was like, do you remember that time when we went to the, to this bombing range when we were kids and we were walking along and I was like, absolutely shitting myself because there was like big holes in the ground on the track we were on where bombs had basically gone into the ground. And, uh, it was like it was a place where those A10 thunderbolts used to fly over a lot and fire their um you just fly over and they'd be like and they would fire like seventy bullets in a second or something. Anyway, so um so anyway, so we're walking along this thing. I was utterly terrified I was going to get blown up at any second. And suddenly, my my dad was behind me and he was like, uh, uh, "Lads, catch this!" And he basically turned around. He had a bomb in his hand. It's like two foot long blue bomb and uh, he threw it at us and <laughs> but anyway it turned out it was a plastic 
plastic bomb. It was a like a practice bomb, but we didn't know that. So anyway, so I was telling my dad this story, and he was like, "I have no recollection of that whatsoever." So I've kind of come to the conclusion it's pointless, pointless having a podcast with him about his early days in the mat rescue and stuff because he doesn't remember anything. So it would just be me recounting stories I remember that he has no recollection about. So. So yeah, so um, so other th- other thing, I I was thinking, uh, I was talking to I was talking to my I was talking to my daughter, uh, and I t- I basically communicate to my children through Facebook, but I don't I don't own I don't have a Facebook account, so I use just my wife's Facebook account. And I sort of ring ring them via Facebook because I don't have a phone either, and um, uh, I made I made a I made a terrible mistake is that. As soon as I, as soon as I finished talking to my daughter, uh, who was who's got really into uh, uh, training, so she's been having, she's been going to the gym like every day, and she's been drinking, even drinking, uh, um, what's that stuff? That powder, protein powder. It's like amazing, young people, what stuff they get into. Um, anyway, so I made a terrible mistake. I just finished talking to her. And I started scrolling down, like, oh, see what's, see if my wife's having an affair with anybody. But I was like scrolling down the, um, scrolling down the news feed. Oh god, that's just always such a mistake to do that. You just, you always get drawn into some, you know, drama or something or something that makes you click or get angry or something. And anyway, so I ended up, I ended up scrolling down, and there was this headline from Climbing Magazine, like I'd. I, I kind of got this thing now if anything is coming from climbing magazine outside uh, outside or rock and ice it's basically going to be bullshit basically it's going to be it's just not of any use in my in my life really so um anyway the headline was the climate community has been the source of my deepest pain by the CEO of the American Alpine Club uh, Mitsu is uh Oh, we are. I don't know. I can't really pronounce his last name. Iwak, 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 Iwak. Anyway, so basically, me not being able to pronounce his name proves QED that 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 climbing is racist and white people are racist. Like the the lack of disrespect for me not to go away and Google and um, you know find a. I actually did Google and find how I pronounce his name, but. Uh, I just can't. I just I can't remember it. So, um, but so yeah, I am a I I am conscious. I I am I am a I'm willing to admit to my um deeply deeply held. It's not. I'm not just like subconsciously, you know, don't like uh, Japanese people. I actively go out my way to offend them by mispronouncing my name. And if he was if he was if he was going to call me Andrew Kilpatrick. I would I would feel exactly the same about him. Like probably I would say like fifty percent of people call me Andrew Kilpatrick, not Andrew Kirkpatrick. Kilpatrick is Scot is Irish, Kirkpatrick is Scottish. And I feel exactly the same. Um those people are just um hate Scottish people and I just you know, I just I just often spit in their faces when they say it and uh, they get they kind of don't really get it why I'm doing that. Anyway, so um anyway, but the 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 article you can go and read it um it's not it's not very long um it's basically one of these things um you know like uh, uh <laughs> you know you're either a victim or you're a victimizer you know you're either guilty 
or you know you're you've been a you know what's the other of being guilty you're either criminal or you're a victim of of some crime um social social crime anyway so the 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 basically thing is about basically how old climb as a racist um an american climb as most whatsoever as well and they're they're not only you know it's basically they're racist misogynistic uh anti-trans you know they're basically scum you know all climbers are scum you know maybe not all of them i'm sure there's some good ones you know like many of my friends are are climbers and <laughs> you know they're not all they're not all bad but um but most of them are and they don't even know it that's the worst thing you know when someone says um like hurry up the, the japs are catching us up like the, that person that that person just deserves to be locked away or maybe have their career like to use the term japs is not only is it offensive it's 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 just it's evil basically using the word brits i feel the same about that if someone says oh you're a brit i'm always like you racist fucker you know and i often just walk out you know just walk just walk straight out you know if someone says like uh oh you're from it you're from northern england or do you like manchester united i'm like you racist bastard and I just walk, I just walk straight out, you know. Like I just, I just can't, I can't be doing it. So, um, uh, so, so yeah. So this, so this article was, um, this article was, uh, is in there. Go, go and read it. Uh, you, probably, you don't need to read it really. Like a lot of so much today, you don't actually have to physically go and look at anything because just by me explaining, I you just know what it, it's like written by a by an algorithm basically. You just type in your name. It's like the algorithm's like that sounds like a Japanese name. I'll just move together a few sentences, a few like things, and we'll just make. A, I'll just you know it's just it's just created. That's that's I think if we don't live in a in a um, simulation, uh, th- there is a simulation ex- that exists at the moment, and it's just it's basically this online simulation of people's. The AI is taking over people's brains, and they're just. Um, you know the simulation isn't like the matrix it's actually it's uh it's like an internal simulation inside everyone's minds apart from apart from mine and a few a few people but i am i am i do actually i would actually like to be assimilated into that thing i do i am trying so so anyway so i i was thinking about this uh i was thinking of of making a response to this but then i just thought like why would i bother because Although I could make um, a lot of very good points that would um, prove that this person is um, uh, is just coming at everything in the wrong direction, um, and that the world is not as evil and uh, and people aren't as evil. Like people are people, really. That's what they 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 it's just the way they are. You know, when someone says. Like, you know, if you're in Ireland and you say to a black person where you're from, you know, and that person was not from Nigeria, they were from Cork and they were born in Ireland. It doesn't make that person a racist. The same way as when I'm in Kenya and someone says where you're from, like, you know, they're not racist either. It's just what people fucking do. And if someone says to you, to a black person in Ireland, like these are all examples that I've heard many times, like, oh, I didn't see you uh, walking down the street you know the country lane with no street lights because you're black that's not a that's not racism that is actually a fact 
as a, as like the, when you're in Africa, you, you you know this thing is never drive at night, and if you drive at night, you will actually notice if you're driving in really remote places where there's no street lighting or whatever, it's actually very hard to see someone whose skin is black in the dark. Like I know it's it's science and all that shit, but it doesn't mean that person is racist who says that thing. So um, so it's one of these, you know, it's one of these things. If you I, I probably told this story, but I remember once when, when I started like losing my shit about the way the world was heading this like 2000, about 2012 or something about the beginning of this kind of racist kind of thing. Um, my kids started like joking that I was racist. And one day there was a, you know, my, oh, my dad's racist and all that kind of stuff. And then one day uh, a kid was around my, my, my brother's friend my brother my son's friend and my brother was like my son was like like oh my dad's racist and this kid was like oh i've got a joke for you and he told this joke i don't remember what it was now but it was like it was fucking racist and i was like do not ever say that joke again that is totally out of order to say something like that and um so when you when you experience real racism you know exactly what it is and i kind of would say ex- experience real race real racism several dozen times a day through social media and i know exactly what it is and um and i don't like it and uh so but anyway i haven't got i haven't i just cannot be asked anymore to try and push back about any of this stuff i just do not have the 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 time or the energy because it is pointless because to my mind like most people are their brains have been captured they do not even know what is real and what's not real anymore and what's what what you would class as just human nature and um and all that kind of stuff and it's pointless me wasting my time doing it when i'm just going to get like slap slated for it on mountain project or reddit or something that i'm a by you know by trying to by trying to defend mankind of all its colors colors and genders that that proves that I am racist. So, um, but a little a little aside to that is one analogy. One thing I was I was of this the story where when um when I went to when I went to Mount Kenya, we had uh, like most people when they go to Kenya uh, climbing and stuff, they basically hire someone and they're on a group or whatever and they get driven around and you know there's someone driving the car like in kenya i think it's got like about five thousand people a year die on the roads it's like the most dangerous roads in the world and uh but we went we like hired a car so we had like for three months we had this car and we just drove around in this car like how we survived i have no idea and for some reason vanessa drove and i didn't drive and um i don't wonder why that was can't remember now anyway she, she just drove we had this like toyota Corolla or something and I remember when we got the car for we had to buy it like it was like 10,000 shillings or something we had all this all these all this money like a foot high of of shillings that we had to give to the guy when we when we literally just arrived and there's a guy there we just gave him all this money uh like in the car park and he just gave us a key for the car and I was I, was, I remember saying to him does this car is there any kind of what happens if the car car breaks down or whatever and he was like it's a Toyota and I was like, "All right then." So we just drove off. Um, the car did. The car had a did have a it did have a rough life. It, um, the whole front of it got uh, pulled off at one point, and we had to go to a garage and get it um, 
get it like sort of like riveted all back on again. That's because it kind of got stuck into the sand and Vanessa like reversed uh, out of the sand. But the car, the front of the car was still in the sand. So they pulled the front of the car off. And uh, we had about, we must have had uh, 30 punctures. Because when you get a puncture uh, in Kenya, you just rock up and someone just um, uh, just patched the puncture and then you just put it back on the car, and then it's you know the the. I don't know if anybody ever buys a new tire in in Kenya. They probably all come from Germany. They're probably all old tires from Germany or something. But the yeah, you get you get very good at you get very good at changing tires. Like I had a I had a puncture on the motorway recently, and I was just I was out there, got it got it changed. Like it was like a pit stop in a Formula One race. I was like amazing. So. The trick is though a lot of thing, a lot of people don't know how to change tires. It's like a bit of a lost art. But the trick is is to always um, loosen the bolts before you lift the car off the ground. So that's a little little trick. So um, anyway, so we so when we went to Mount Kenya, we decided we would carry all our own gear up. We wouldn't get any porters. Um, oh, here comes the rain. Um, like we should have really got. We should really have got some porters because. You know, like it's good for the it's good for the local economy and stuff, but we decided we wouldn't um, for some reason, and uh, so we had like these massive, massive rucksacks with all our food and everything else. I think we to keep the weight down, all we took was we took lentils, flour, and uh, that might be in it. Which lentils and flour? Maybe we had some rice, lentils, flour, rice. Yeah, I think that's what we had. So it was it didn't actually work very well that kind of diet. Um, <laughs> yeah, they got malnutrition. So anyway, so walking, we're walk, we're walking up there up to the up the mountain, and it took it takes a it takes like a day to get up to the to the sort of base camp Mount Kenya on that on the is it the Tillman Hut or the Shipton Hut or something, and then the next day we kind of walked around to the other side because we wanted to do like the the traverse of Mount Kenya, which has not been done like many decades and now and and now having tried it i understand why that is because it's not there anymore so anybody as we're walking in we had these like huge huge packs like weighed an absolute ton and uh anyway so everyone all this all the um the the porters the constantly they were like oh to vanessa like oh you shouldn't carry that it's too heavy for you and you're a woman and um you're a weak weak irish woman and all that kind of stuff like literally every every half an hour someone someone would make some comment about how she was a woman and shouldn't be carrying this heavy heavy rucksack now vanessa could have come home and she could have written some diatribe that could have been printed by uh, climbing magazine or outside or rock and ice about how the um the porters on mount kenya were um were sexist, misogynist, uh probably racist because you know uh if a woman I saw some women carrying some black Kenyan women carrying heavy loads, no one was no one was saying anything to them. And um maybe they were consciously aware of that they were being sexist and racist and misogynistic. Or maybe it was like subconsciously. Maybe they didn't even know any better. And maybe really like they should all be like uh, re-educated, and um, even you know, if maybe maybe the you know the authorities should get involved, and um, you know maybe try and identify people who should maybe get the sack and shouldn't be doing that job if they can't, you know, control the racist, misogynistic, the sexist, racist, 
kind of um, kind of things. Anyway, but, but she didn't. She didn't do that because, you know, she's a fucking adult, and she she knows that's that none of those people said that because they were racist or sexist or misogynistic. It's just that they don't see many women carrying massive fuck off rucksacks up that trail, and they were a mixture of concern for her because she was carrying a very heavy weight and also probably um, thinking they could get some extra work carrying this, uh, you know, carrying stuff up for her and stuff. And um, so it's a mixture of uh, concern and, um, you know, hustling, which is like what, what people do in Africa. They always hustle. Um, so, yeah, I was also, you know, like I, I also could come back and the number of people who use the racial slur, um, Mazingu, is it Mazingu? Mazingu, um, like every day, every day I'd be walking along and it'd be like, hey, Mazingu, you know, like this kind of stuff. And and uh, Vanessa had this story because Vanessa went and worked in an orphanage in Africa before I met her. And, uh, you know, she was there with this like this American who was a little bit overweight, you know, and all the Africans would be like, hey, fat mama, fat mama all the time, which is not only sizest it's um it's just offensive you know it's like uh you know we should be celebrating you know fat people so um so yeah so we you know i could have like i say like i could have wrote written a thing about how deeply offended i was as a white as a white person as a minority to go to africa and to be treated you know the the, the um it wasn't just the it wasn't just what people said you know it was just the the looks people give me. Like some people would look at me and they'd be like, you're, you're not black. You know, like, you know, you're white. Like, you know, what are you doing here? You know, stuff, little stuff like that. Even like, a, you know, just sometimes they didn't even look. They didn't look. But I could just tell that's kind of, they were like, they were just thinking racist thoughts. They might even, they might even not known they were thinking it. But I, I, you know, I know they're thinking it. Like even the fact that they were thinking it you know, consciously not being racist is actually a sign of being racist. Because if you, you know, if you were, if you weren't racist, then you will be able to be aware of having racist thoughts um, and knowing that they're not racist. So that's, so it was just, it was lots of subtle things. Basically, I, I've never been to such a racist place as when I went to, you know, those African countries, apart from when I was in like, those Arab countries, like that was even worse. So, um, or in South America, that's that's pretty bad as well. Um, in fact, everywhere, uh, France, God, don't get me started. Uh, Norway, oh my God. Uh, Sweden, that's even worse. Oh my God. In fact, in fact, pretty everywhere you go, it's um, it's just a cesspit of like intolerance, bigotry, racism, and all that kind of stuff. Like, I I do think just best, just just best to stay. Like I like it around here because everyone's the same, um, apart from some people are Protestants. You know, I, you know, they look at you like mm, can't tell, can't tell if you're a Protestant or a Catholic, or maybe you're an atheist. That's even worse, you know. So I just try and keep myself to myself. I try not to, you know, even even Vanessa, you know, my kids, you know, I sometimes, you know, I'm not quite sure what they think about me or you know what they think or anyway. So um. <laughs> So yeah, so I was gonna I was gonna talk about that and I was gonna write something about it, but I was like, what's the point? It's completely it's completely pointless. It's completely pointless. So um 
So I won. But uh um like I but I always take this view that Malcolm X, one of like one of the big things uh you know, like Malcolm X is like your know, classic, you know, thinking everything through a racial lens like you would like you would do. It's like the the time or whatever. And uh um but he but he when he went when he went travelling, it's like going on it's like going on interrailing or something. But when he went to the Middle East, I think he went to Mecca and then he went to um uh, he went to go to Ghana or so. he went he went to Ghana. He went to uh went traveling around Africa. But it really it really helped to him to readjust readjust his his brain to a more global kind of citizen. Uh you know, where he probably he probably didn't take things or people um quite as seriously as he as he did before and he i think it makes you more compassionate i think the more you the more you travel um i can remember i might might have told this story before but i remember i was once in this uh so i have this i have this story i I actually wrote a story about this is when i was in namibia like vanessa's got like really crazy kind of hair uh like irish people like irish people have crazy hair it's kind of to do with all that alcohol in their dna or something and um, we're in Namibia, and these there was these two little girl, three little girls, and I think they were like hustling for some money or food or something. So I was giving them, I was giving them our food we didn't we didn't need. And then Vanessa was there, and they started reaching up and like touching their hair. And I was like, oh, you, you shouldn't do that. That's racist uh, to touch someone's hair who's not the same as you. You know. So I was giving them a little lecture, you know, about unconscious unconsciously kids. You're unconsciously you're being racist there, so please stop touching your hair. So um, I'm, I'm sure after that they probably thought like, oh, I'm glad I met that white guy. Like he's really, he's really put me straight on stuff. So um, anyway, but I was I was in this uh, hot I was in a hot tub somewhere in like a pool in the desert in America, and there was a black woman in the in the uh, in the hot tub. Uh, it's just like a like a not hot tub. It's one of these. Anyway, a hot pool in the desert. So we're sitting in this thing, and uh, the subject of these, the subject of these girls touching your hair somehow came up. And I told this story about the girls touching Vanessa's hair and how I told them they were racist or something. I was joking at the time, but I think she she thought I was being a lit, lit, you know. Anyway, and then she started telling me about her sister had really frizzy hair and how white people often came up and wanted to touch it. And that she really did think it was racist. So I was like, I was like, well, I've got this friend, Alex, who's Norwegian. And he's got a really, really frizzy, like Afro kind of hair, like sideshow bob kind of hair. Like it's crazy. this like crazy kind of hair. And it's red. It's like red Viking Afro kind of hair. And like all his life, people are always reaching up to touch his hair, like Norwegians or anywhere he goes in the world people are like drawn to his hair because it's like it's kind of magic and i was like do you think when people touch his hair they're being racist or do you think they're just being humans and um as i said it like the woman the woman's face like i'm this you know this thing about we live we people are living internalized simulation of reality for for a split second you could see that the that actual objective reality was 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 breaking through and then she blinked and it was gone and she probably just wiped out the entire conversation we just had and then we just talked about something else so 
So it'd be interesting. It would be interesting to. It's always interesting to talk to people who feel like they are a victim of something, a victim of sexism, racism, you know, a victim of themselves, of their dyspraxia, dyslexia, you know, clumsiness, you know, fatness, whatever. In the, like, often when you try and have a conversation with them and you're trying to talk them down a little bit, if they, things aren't quite so bad as you think they are and the world's not quite as bad as you think it is, um, they they really want to they really don't want to give it up in a way because it's it's like part of their identity like it's what makes them special in a way you know to be I often think that's kind of I often I often feel sorry when you're in Africa you would often see Americans Black Americans African Americans in Africa and they totally stood out in a they totally stood out um there although they kind of look the same like if you're you know if your heritage is nigerian or something and you're in and you're in africa but you're american you just look like you're an american but you you neither feel like i'm sure that if you were there lot if you lived there long enough you would start feeling this racist thing coming from other africans it would treat you differently because you're not like them like you are an american uh, it'd be quite an interesting kind of experiment. But people, yeah, it's really, I think it's really important for people to um, to feel like the underdog or or whatever, unless it's unless it's real. Like if you're really dealing with someone with real misogyny, real racism, real hate, all that kind of real bigotry, then that's not something you wanna you wanna be dealing with or or hold on to. So, so yeah. So what's that got to do with climbing? Uh, nothing at all, I guess. But yeah, um, yeah. I don't. I don't. I can't really add any more to that. Really, I think I should just probably finish this. Uh, finish this podcast and uh, and do and do something else. So so yes, I apologise if this podcast is a little bit shorter, uh, and apologise. I don't apologise if it was offensive. Like if you're offended, then then why really you know why and uh, get out get out go go traveling go go see the world and um, get over yourself and uh and i guess um peace you know namaste whatever it's whatever they say was it namaste anyway so yeah so um so that so these these views are all are all my own um and i do apologize if i upset anybody and if you ring this number and there will be a helpline uh, which will be able to um, you know sort of talk you talk you down and um, you know and all that kind of stuff so until next week Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, 
we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.